Welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. We are your hosts, Bill Taub and Dave Tilly. This is uh, Dave Tilly with my co-host, Phil Taub, and we're here at Homeland Heroes Salutes podcast, and we've got a very special guest with us, uh, Mauro Ryan, a veteran who is joining us on our podcast. And uh, Mauro, thank you so much for our for your service and for joining us um, uh, here. And uh, please tell us a little bit of, about yourself, but actually, Phil, uh, my co-host, please say a few words. <laughs> If you like. well, yeah, no, Dave, thank you so much. It's always great to be doing this podcast with you, Dave. I look forward to these uh, every week, and I know our listeners are enjoying them. And, and we have a very special guest here, Moira, who is featured in our book uh, that Swim With a Mission put out, along with 55 veterans from representing every part of the state, uh, enlisted officers uh, from every war since World War II. Uh, up until today. And, you know, it took us two years to put that book together. And Moira, we're very grateful that you were in it and your story is in there uh, in your own words, as well as in our words and beautiful portraits uh, that Jeff Tachowski from Bedford put together for us. So uh, Moira, I guess a great place to start is, is to just dive right in and let's go all the way back to the beginning and tell us, you know, why you joined the military and what your service looked like. Well, the reason I joined the military is sort of a complicated one because um, I was actually working at a Fortune 500 company and um, had gotten laid off. And I'm sorry, uh, I was working for a Fortune 500 company and September 11th happened. And when my family came over to this country, the first thing that my grandfather did was get a job as a firefighter. So my uncles and cousins followed suit and got jobs as a firefighter. Um, and so when that happened, it was devastating. Um, there were a lot of people who I knew from the fire station who were killed. Um, and so I decided to join the army. Um, I got laid off from my job and I went and joined the army immediately um, and went almost immediately overseas. Um, and I went in the hard way, did it as an enlisted, um, which was very interesting because it's, it's sort of a, enlisted people have a great camaraderie that um, anytime something happens to the community, we're all there for each other. And I kind of think, I really appreciate that you and Julie did this book, Phil, because you're preserving some of that camaraderie and some of that community that we miss when we come out. And um, I genuinely appreciate you doing that, but you're also preserving pieces of the history of everything that came before us. Um, so I had my picture taken with my cousin, who's a firefighter. His picture was taken at ground zero by a, a photographer in Connecticut. Um, and that's, you know, that was a pivotal moment in my life. So, and it led to great things because as much as I have a love-hate relationship with the military, because there were some things I didn't like, um, it made me a much stronger person and much more capable of coming out and trying to do more for my community and more for other people. Well, thank you. And, and, and tell us a little bit more about your service, right? Uh, where did you start? Where did you go to boot camp? You know, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Sure. I went to boot camp at Fort Jackson, Bravo Bulldogs. Um, and then from there, I went to AIT at Aberdeen Proving Ground in Maryland. Um, and from that point, I went 
to all different spots all over the world. Um, and finally ended up being medically retired in July of 2018. And actually I did a number of different things when I was in the military as well, because I started off as a 51 kilo, uh, which is a plumber and went into 63 whiskey, which is mechanic. Um, then I became a Lima, which is a, a liaison or aide, I guess. Um, and ultimately, I ended up working for a colonel doing all kinds of different things. I think he liked to throw things my way just to see if I could do them because he made me take a postmaster exam. He just came in and said, you know what? I'm going to have you be a postmaster. You're on deployment. You can deliver mail. Go take this test. And I took the test and I passed and I was a postmaster. So you get to wear many hats and what you do in the service is kind of what you make of it too. My recruiter had told me that because, you know, he said, walk around with a clipboard and see what people do. <laughs> and if you walk around with a clipboard, nobody bothers you. But it, you're sure to get a project. No, that, that's amazing. So, I mean, you, you were inspired by 9-11 through, uh, you, you know, just so, so many around you being firefighters. Then your own career in the military was um, vastly different in, in your time in service. What, what were the things that in your service, though, when you were in, uh, what, what was most rewarding? What, what did you enjoy most? What were some of the things you're most proud of? I think that some of the things that I really enjoyed were the camaraderie with other people. Mm -hmm. I think that experience um, of going to another place and being in a situation which is vastly different from being at home um, just makes very strong bonds between people. I mean, there are people who I went overseas with where if they called me up tomorrow and said, I'm in Tijuana, I need you to come down and bail me out of jail, I'd do it. And I can't say that for other people. There's just a bond there that's it's unbreakable and it's very strong. And I think a lot of people have tried to capture it, um, what it's like. Um, because Shakespeare had once said, we happy few, we band of brothers and sisters. But um, you do get that level of camaraderie and it's not like anything else. And um, it, may, it definitely made me a much stronger person um, and made me, you know, I don't take no for an answer. It's kind of like, if you have a mission, you're going to do that mission. Whether you have to go over something, under something, through something, you're going to do it. <laughs> No, I was active and and army and enlisted myself, and and feel the same way among the the camaraderie, but also the family support. That's that's part of that, you know, camaraderie, and just um, people serving together. That whether you're, uh, you know, at, at home and and shoreside or in. Uh, war zone you you do have that feeling of that gravitas that you uh you know you're depending on each other that even in training exercises you're depending on each other uh, to keep each other safe and it 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 uh, builds an amazing bond and in, in community and and in the broader uh uh sense of the military family with the extended family as well that's um you know, directly connected in. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was going up to the VA over on um, Chestnut Street, um, a, a gentleman saw my plates. I have veterans plates on my car and he mm -hmm. said, thank you for your service. And I was so happy. 
I can't even tell you. I just was so thankful that he said that to me. Um, women, you know, sometimes don't get a little bit overlooked. And while I think that's changing and getting significantly better, there are still some people who, who don't want to give you credit for the service that you do because you weren't, you know, in the front lines. But even if you were support, you were out there and you were in danger. So it's, and now of course you can do anything almost, but um, it has been improving. But, you know, every once in a while when people say, oh, thank you for your service, I really appreciate it. Just, you love it. And um, my son will go up to people and he'll say, my mom was in the army, you know, and then every once in a while, he'll get someone who will say, well, something like, well, if you were in the army, that just means that if she was in the army, that just means she couldn't be in the Marine Corps. My son will just look at them like, what? And I said, they're kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, spoken from someone who didn't probably serve. But anyways, <laughs> the um, no, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm a I'm an army veteran. My dad's uh, Air Force, and there's there's also an internal, uh, uh, you know, lighthearted rib, ribbing between between services too. And, and remind us again how how many years were you were you in the service? And this was all uh, active duty service. Um, I was in the reserves for a bit too, oh. um, but I did have active duty service where I did go overseas. Um, I mean, full-time, 100% straight active duty was probably about three years, I would say. That's true. Everything else was other stuff. What What were some of, uh, share with us some of your, uh, you know, favorite places that you were and, uh, oh, in, so you know, a bit where the Army took you. Um, okay, so I've been to a number of different countries. Um, one of my favorites is England. Um, I've been to England, I've been to France. Um, I've been to Ireland, but not really, more like in passing. Um, I've been to Asia, I've been to Hawaii, which I thought was beautiful. Um, I would love to go back to Hawaii. Um, a number of different states where I don't think I would have gone. I've, I've lived in Texas. North Carolina, South Carolina, Maryland, um, New Hampshire, obviously. Um, and I got to I got to enlist in New Hampshire. And when I actually went on deployment, um, the town gave my mom a blue star, which meant a, quite a bit to her because she was pretty worried because I was going overseas right away. I mean, I went through basic AIT and a shot. I think uh, I was done with AIT in a matter of weeks and was overseas. Um, I think I went to basic, I went to basic training in November and I think I was gone by March. Yeah, where was your basic training again? Uh, Fort Jackson, North Carolina. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm familiar with that. That's where I went. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, summertime. It was pretty hot. Oh, it is hot. And there's all kinds of spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Check your ho check your foxhole. Check for black widows. Check for brown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want any spiders on me. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> now that's something I'll I'll let uh, let Phil cut in. I've been monopolizing the conversation here. No. So so Moira, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. You know since since you left the military and i know you've been very active in a whole variety of things and 
Uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and you know, how, how your service sort of impacted what you're doing now. Sure. Um, so I'm a member of VFW, American Legion, Wounded Warrior Project, um, Warrior Scholar Project. Warrior Scholar Project was a, a great program too. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. Um, disabled American Veterans. Um, and I wanted to do something to improve the life of veterans. Um, so I was helping people work on their VA claims, um, which I did. I have done a lot of stuff with a Wounded Warrior Project. Um, and they do a lot of, I've been pushing them to do a lot more with legislation. And I was like, legislation is national, but it's also state. And we really need to get in there and get veterans benefits. You know, I said, there are so many other states that have college benefits and tax credits and all these things. And it starts at the local level. Um, so I went and testified. First, I started with my town council and I asked them to increase the disabled veterans tax credit, which they did. So that's now $4,000. Um, and then I asked them to increase the optional veterans tax credit, which is $750, which they did do. They did increase it to $750 recently. Um, and then I also went to the state legislature and I asked them to increase the veterans tax credit to $950. Um, and also to, to go around and make sure, you know, there's the VASH program over at the VA hospital. And a lot of people don't know that they'll accept clothing for families and children. There's Marguerite's place in Nashville, which will accept clothes for women and uh, their kids, female veterans and their kids. Um, and there's also Liberty House, which will take the items. Um, and then if you need something, like if you need to go and get food, you can go over there and you can pick up some food. So when my father passed, we donated all the stuff from his, um, his remaining things to Liberty House completely so they could have all of it and, and do whatever they wanted with it. Um, and then um, I do go to testify on behalf uh, of veterans in front of the legislature, as I said, specifically female veterans to try and improve their lives. Um, and I'm working on a couple of bills for concurrent receipt in federal Congress. No, great stuff with concurrent receipt and, and, and all, all the state level uh, I, I appreciate that myself being at uh, at uh, Harbor Care Veterans First in in Nashua. Oh, there is one other project we're working on that I forgot to yeah. mention. So I have a friend who's a veteran. He's actually special special forces um, reserve, and we were looking at trying to build some tiny homes for homeless veterans. Um, so we built three model homes, and we are trying to get the funding. I think we're going to try and do a grant. Um, there are three of us working on the project um, so that we can build tiny homes for homeless veterans and for respite too. Oh, great. And is that right? All right here in New Hampshire? Yeah, we're trying to do it in New Hampshire. Yeah, they've got a, they've got a beautiful site in, in Danville with tiny homes uh, for veterans. And it, um, you know, I, I, I work directly with, uh, helping with homelessness and uh, housing for veterans. And we all know in New Hampshire how, um, how difficult and how tight our market is for everyone. Uh, so, so that work is, is just so important, finding landlords, finding uh, housing availability for our veterans most in need. Absolutely. 
and you know we want veterans to come here we want them to come to the state of new hampshire and we want them to stay yeah that that's absolutely or uh <laughs> i i know i know phil's helping with that i know our uh um governor and and jack heath's radio show is uh also uh working and and helping on that and making new hampshire really the you know the place for uh veterans to come to and and be welcome and and to, to live and do well absolutely yeah, Maury, Maury, thank you for everything you're doing. Really, it's right. It takes every single person, right, to push on all of these things. And it's great to see you making a difference. You know, I'll just take one minute here if I could. I know this podcast is about you. It's not about me or, or David. But for our listeners who are sort of interested in this, right, uh, New Hampshire has just under 100,000 veterans. And there's lots of critical needs, but affordable housing, right, is right up there at the top of the list. And New Hampshire is already a great destination for veterans, as evidenced by how many we have in our small state, no base, and we still have such a large number of veterans and veteran families living here in the live free or die state. Um, you know, but we need to do a better job as a community, right, uh, with things like affordable housing, with access to benefits, you know, making sure our veterans are finding uh, what they're looking for, because everything kind of seems like word of mouth right now. Right. There's no like website or single phone number. Um, but I mean, all of us collectively, what you're doing, Maura, what David is doing, you know, David, you mentioned Jack Heath and others. And of course, our current governor has been really amazing uh, in pushing for veterans. This is what it's going to take all of us doing this together. I absolutely agree. And I think um, you're right. There has been a lot of word of mouth and maybe some discussion on Facebook. Um, there used to be, um, Larry Vogelman had had a veteran center in Manchester and he closed it because he dissolved his uh, business. And I think that being gone is very detrimental because he had a lot of information for veterans and you could go there and you could ask questions and it was helpful. Um, but I'm hoping that something will, you know, rise up and take its place. But I certainly feel like there are a lot of people who would love to help. Um, through buying books and through contributing. And I think a lot of them, you very often see people on Facebook say, I have extra clothing, where can I donate it? And I say, the VASH program will accept clothes. Tracy Union over at VASH. You know, so th there are definitely people out there who would love to help and they don't necessarily know where to go. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we got to, this is a work in progress, right? And we got to keep pushing on it and and uh, and try to make all this work. As you know, I think more of um, Governor Sununu in the state of New Hampshire agreed to fund an, an affordable housing complex up in Franklin. And uh, that's going to be run by Easter Seals, which yes. already has this campus, right? And, and I'm, I'm really hoping that what we're going to see is that all of our, you know, not-for-profit veteran service organizations have some presence there and are, are there together, you know, and so that when anybody finds a veteran, they're not just focused on the specific thing they're doing, but they're making sure that all the organizations that are relevant are coming to the table to help that veteran. Right? And so we just help them one at a time, right? And get our veterans, you know, what, what, depending on what that person needs, we're meeting them, right? Where they find themselves and helping them. 
Absolutely. And there are people who are doing individual programs as well. Like there's, there are a few places that try to do um, meal, uh, meal tickets. So somebody can come in and prepay a meal when it's cold out and a veteran can come in and show their ID and take the ticket and get a free meal. And those are some of the initiatives that businesses are doing on their own, um, which I genuinely appreciate because, you know, you never know when you're going to be the one who needs a meal. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as, you know, um, as winter comes on too, I know that uh, not just a, a meal, but uh, an, an ability to get out of the cold and, and have a, uh, whether it's a uh, Dunkin' Donuts card or a, you know, Burger King card, but uh, a meal and a, and a warm place to be. Absolutely. And it's also great Phil, that you have that relationship with Governor Sununu and that you're collaborating on that because we really need everyone to collaborate, as you said. Yeah, yeah. No, we do. It's, it takes everybody, right? Uh, it's too big a problem, you know, to just any any single group to tackle on their own. And, and uh, you know, as you know, Mara, we, we've, we've had a couple summits. We put, you know, Swim of the Mission has gotten as many stakeholders as we can together. Uh, to meet, to meet each other, to start to work together. So I'm very encouraged. I think the future is bright for our veterans in New Hampshire. And I think we're creating a model that, that other states, uh, you know, can follow. But at the heart of all this is great people like yourself. You know, you understand the sacrifice. You know what our veterans are going through, right? And you're just doing it. You're just out there helping. So, you know, again, thank you for everything you're doing. Yeah, I totally echo what what Phil's saying here too. I mean, you've had a uh, just just from our our conversation here, we we've you know heard heard about you touching upon your your service, but how you've been giving back since then, how how that's impacted you, and how you're giving back every day to to uh, thoughtfully help our veterans, and and just thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I think it's just something that becomes ingrained in you after you serve, because do you know, I still cannot walk on grass to this day. <laughs> you know, how they used to tell you not to walk on the grass. You have to use the sidewalk. I can't walk on the grass. <laughs> and I really want to help everyone because yeah. the way I look at it is that we're a team, we're all people yeah. and you know, everybody needs a hand every once every now and then. That's funny when I think about that. You, yeah, you don't walk on grass unless you're doing police detail <laughs> and, clean, and cleaning up the grass. Weeding with a screwdriver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So more sort of reflecting on your service and, and what you've done, you know, since then. I mean, what, what would you tell a young person like a high school student that's trying to decide whether to go into the military or not? What, what, what advice would you give them? I actually think the best re advice I got from my recruiter, who, by the way, works at the Manchester airport. So every once in a while, I go over and razz him and <laughs> say to him, you sign me up for this. I nice. know you work, but it's all in good fun. But he had told me that really when you go into the military, it's what you make of it. And you can make many things happen for yourself or you can, you know, kind of coast and do not very much. And I did want to do as much as I could um, 
so when they had extra things, I would sign up and I was interested in, in hearing about other things. I mean, I tried some things that were now in retrospect, I was just like, oh, I can't believe I did that. But um, some things are scary, <laughs> but, um, but I'm glad I did it because I can now say that I'm someone who at least tried that once, mm-hmm. um, maybe not again, but once. Um, and we only get so much time on this earth. And if you don't use it to your maximum, and I think that's really important because when you're in the service and they have discussions with you about being in battles and what can happen and what choices, what your choices could be and, you know, things of that nature, you really sort of understand and it puts into perspective for you that you do have a limited amount of time and you need to make the best of it and you need to do as much as you possibly can. And I have a very deep appreciation for that. And I've been to multiple countries as a result of military service. And I've seen a number of different things and a number of different cultures. And every time I go out there and I see something new and it's, it's you know, it's a learning experience, but I'm always so happy to come home. And I really feel like our, our country is the best country. And I'm always so happy to come home. And I really appreciate being an American and living this country and having the freedoms that we do have. Yeah, totally, totally uh, appreciate that, and, and couldn't couldn't agree more. And I know um, the the team too. Uh, Phil and I are, you know, we're involved in many uh, organizations and, and uh, supporting veterans, but uh, but also we're in this capacity or hosting a great organization, Homeland Heroes, that. Uh, I know everyone on the Homeland Heroes team, you know, feel feels the same way. Well, we're lucky because we we were born here, many of us, some of us, you know, there are many people who use military service to gain citizenship, but we appreciate that because when you go out and you have to fight for sort of an abstract concept, it really deepens your perspective on on what freedom means. So I genuinely appreciate that you know, there are people who haven't had that experience and it's kind of important to tell them about it because it really is an amazing country. It may have its flaws, but still, you know, being a free nation, you you can't beat it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can't, can't, uh, Thank, thank you enough for for being here with us on on Homeland Heroes, and and sharing your experiences, sharing your stories with us. Well, I appreciate what you guys do, and I can't even tell you there are so many people who, you know, go to Homeland Heroes for a mattress or a gas card or something. It makes the difference. It makes a huge difference in their day, their week, their month, and you know, they feel very unsupported and i think that makes them feel like someone out there cares so we appreciate what you do as well well i can't th- can't thank you enough for mentioning that again you know my myself i'm at uh, harbor care veterans first and homeland heroes is with us for our veterans every you know every every step of the way what uh they they have helped us with uh, our veterans getting Uber cards to go to appointments, to go to doctor's appointments, to 
go for uh, job interviews, to go check for housing where we're helping veterans to get into permanent housing. They've helped all of our housing facilities with uh, providing needed meals and food and, and actually new freezers for our facilities for, you know, how helping to uh, pro provide uh, everything in a home once we, we can help uh, help a veteran with that extra little help to, so that they're back back into you know permanent housing and self-sufficiency. So uh, I appreciate, appreciate on, on that end um, you mentioning the Homeland Heroes team that I'm I'm just honored like Phil is to be a you know co-host on, on their show but but are um, you know uh, partners with them. Absolutely. And you know the old saying, when you're in, you're a guest. When you're gone, you're a pest. I think a lot of people go through this feeling when they get out that they're just, you spend so much time in that military framework and all of a sudden you're just done with it. It's very, it's a, it's a bit unsettling. And so to have that support and to, to be, to have that feeling of you're still in that community and you're still supported mm -hmm. is really important for people who are transitioning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so many great. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's the community that we're fortunate to have here in New Hampshire with Homeland Heroes, Swim with a Mission, you know, Harbor Care, the Elks Club, so many, you know, great uh, partners, so many great individuals helping and, and, uh, and again, so uh, in, inspired by your your service and and your commitment to and passionate commitment to giving back. Well, I thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, on behalf of uh, Phil and I, and I'll allow uh, Phil some time to uh, with some closing comments. We're we're just honored to have you on on Homeland Heroes Salute. And I yeah. <clears throat> go ahead, Mara. Sorry, I was going to say I just appreciate you having me on and giving me a, an ability to to talk about some of the work I'm doing. Yeah, no, it it really is terrific, and I hope somebody listening, you know, to this and to what you're doing, you know, will be inspired by what you're doing and and similarly want to follow in your path. So, great job and you know we'll see you out there in many events i'm sure helping veterans together this is a great cohort and appreciate all of this and thank you for your service uh, to our great country and for keeping us free yeah and thank you for doing the book and <clears throat> continuing to support veterans and their history everywhere yeah and so so glad you're in the in the in this one with a mission book too. It's a beautiful publication that that I hope uh, uh, I've I've got a copy on my coffee table. We're sharing them at our veterans facilities to share these stories and, and legacies and and uh, and again we're we're so honored to have you uh, with us today on Homeland Heroes. Salute! Thank, thank you for and your family gifts because they're completely non-controversial. They don't involve politics, and everybody loves them. Awesome.
<laughs> it's very, very good point. We got to add that to our script, Phil. <laughs> we do. We said it better than I could have. And uh, I guess I will just give a quick plug and say that they yeah. are available for sale at swam.org, S-W-A-M.org, 55 amazing stories of veterans like Mara. Yeah, thank, thank you so much, Mara. Thank you. This podcast is a co-production brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. And Dairy Cam, who believes a better world starts with a connected community. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org and dairycam.org. Follow the Homeland Heroes Salute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. Views expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the uniformed services, the Homeland Harris Foundation, Dairy Cam, Swim with a Mission, Harbor Care, Veterans First, or any other organization.